Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello and welcome to the big interview with Graham Hunter. This is our monthly Q&A show. I'm Neil White and on the line from Spain, we have Graham Hunter, the host of The Big Interview with Graham Hunter and Pete Jensen from La Liga Television. Good morning, chaps. They are here to answer questions sent to us by our beloved socios, those listeners who support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. They get everything first and they get to put their questions to the guys for the shows that we do like this every month. This is part one of a two-parter, and in this first part, we are going to focus on the Champions League semi-finals, the first legs of which took place last week, and the second legs of which, as you listen to this, are coming up very, very soon. So we're going to jump straight in with a question from socio Chris Hennigan. Chris, hi, thank you for your question. Chris says, contrary to some of the negative criticism by the British media around Villarreal's performance against my team, Liverpool... I was quietly impressed by how Emery set up the team and executed his strategy despite missing key players. The tie is certainly not over. So I was wondering what you both thought Emery had to do to deliver another memorable night. Thank you as ever, Chris, the dancer, Hennigan. So thank you, dancer. Let's start with Graham. Graham, did you share Chris's uh, positivity around the performance of Villarreal last week? Uh, no, listen, dancer, uh, for once, it's not often that I'll go straight from your point of view, but no, um, I have to be a little tributary of the main dancer, River. Um, that wasn't a, a proper Villarreal performance, um, irrespective of the fact that under fire they showed bravery. Um, and that's kind of mentioned in dispatches. It's it's a fact that um, what happened. Barcelona were beaten there four nil. Um, there were chances I thought for Villarreal to to be spanked <clears throat> and to be out of the tie. And in the end, the fact that they they weren't allowed a series of their players to make quite brash promises about it will be completely different in the second leg. And instead of just Bragadicio, they they talked about we will play differently, we will be better than we were, um, this tie is still alive, all that kind of stuff. I don't think it is, and I think that what we saw, no, I don't think, I'm certain that what we saw was a performance by uh, your team, Chris, that that exactly joined the dots of of where Juventus and Bayern Munich had failed when. Villarreal went into those two ties much as last season when they went into the Arsenal and Manchester United ties their, their one main weapon um, to, to riff on a theme that we've had this morning already um, before we recorded was that they were really parsimonious with the ball they, um, they, they didn't allow fear and surprise to overtake them because they didn't give the ball away they were extremely 
clever in, in how they moved as a unit, basculación they call it here in Spain, which just means Scott Minto and Risa went challenged to explain basculación said, oh, it's shuffling across. Yet more, yet more language deficit between Spanish football and English football. But basculación means that, you know, it's about equilibrium in, 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 the, in the scales and the weights, so that if a team is trying to overload you, you, you move across, but every moves in unison, both um, laterally and vertically. And neither Juventus nor Bayern Munich in, in the two previous ties to Anfield, it, it really in almost any of the four matches of the two previous ties, had that tempest pace that meant that, you know, in, in Bavaria, Bayern Munich were on top, but, but they weren't creating clear-cut chances. They eventually only drew 1-1. And Villarreal were never out of the comfort zone. In in neither of the events games, even when uh, La Vecchia went up 1-0 in about two minutes, thanks to Vlaovic, Villarreal were no time out of the comfort zone. So what I saw at Anfield personally, and it's, it's time for Pete, who's usually got a more considered view than me, but what I saw at Villarreal was um, a team clinging on, uh, Villarreal at Anfield, was a team clinging on. I genuinely thought that the relentless pace at which Liverpool did things and did things well, both when they were pressing Villarreal in the rare times they had the ball, and then when Liverpool themselves had the ball, it was, it was distinctly different from the tests that Villarreal had passed against nominally, you know, two sides that in theory should have been able to do the same to them as Liverpool did. So I, I, th- I thought that they weren't waving, they were drowning. I think that I think that several of their players dropped their level a little bit, and and Chris, to be honest with you, the only regrets you've got um, traveling to Spain's Eastern Mediterranean uh, coast was that while I think you, you tuck the tie away um, tomorrow, um, I, I as as we record, I I think they did enough, and I think Villarreal aren't gonna aren't gonna be in their debut Champions League final. I'm afraid to say. Pete, Chris asks if there is a way back, if there's anything Emery and Villarreal can do. What do you think? Well, the best chance of, the, of there being a way back is that Gerald Moreno's fit because um, I think some of the people that criticise Villarreal in, in England um, are not really aware of just how important Gerald Moreno is to Villarreal. He's their Benzema. He, he scores the big goals, but he also makes them play. Um, and he would have helped them keep the ball, which they were unable to do at Anfield. Um, and bearing in mind the player who would have played in his place uh, uh, because he was injured, Jeremy Pino was also out as well. So I think in view of those two huge um, abs- absences, 2-0 um, was, was as good as it was, as, as good a result as possible. I don't think they're going to come back. Um, Gerald Moreno is clearly not properly fit. It's muscle problems. Uh, there's a suggestion that Dan Juma um, also has slight muscle problems. Coquelin wasn't fit in the game, and he's not going to be. He's not going to have uh, miraculously recovered it for the second leg. Um, and Pino's problem is also muscular. Uh, Albiar will be patched uh, patched up and and sent out, and 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 he'll be okay, I'm sure. But um, they are a team that rely on hurting teams on the counter attack, um, and they can't do that without their best strikers. Um, I thought the criticism of Emery was completely unfair because I didn't think he set up 
to get a first leg nil-nil, which is exactly what Simeone did against City. So it was completely different. It wasn't the same at all. The plan was, and he was brave with his team selection, I thought, because he could have played an extra midfield player. He could have played Trigueros and left Danjuma up front on his own. He didn't do that. He went with Chukwesi and Danjuma. The, the, the plan, I'm sure, was to, was to try and hurt Liverpool, to run in behind Alexander-Arnold um, and Robertson. But they were just completely monstered. And, and players have spoken uh, um, about um, the intensity of Liverpool. I interviewed Ceballos a couple of years ago when he was, where was he on loan? At Arsenal. Um, and, um, you know, he's, we spoke to him, about, asked him about the intensity of the Premier League. And he just said Liverpool is, is just another level on top of the, the intensity of, of the teams in the Premier League. Uh, and you just come off the pitch and you can't breathe. Um, and uh, I thought I thought Liverpool were, were brilliant, and and they weren't as ruthless as we've seen them be other in other games. But I don't think that's going to be a problem going into the second leg, um, barring the miraculous recovery of all those players. And the other thing, of course, is um, the Ceramica is not a cauldron. I, I've seen one uh, headline this morning that you know it will be a cauldron on Tuesday night. It won't be a cauldron on Tuesday night. It's never going to be a cauldron, and. Um, you know, that also will um, help Liverpool over the line and, in, and into the final. Chris, Pete's point is, is is that there's nobody in La Liga that, that Villarreal have practised against that play anything like that. And to echo Pete and Ceballos, Danny Ceballos' pre-match, there was a big, there was a page interview with Raul Albiol and his best quote was, there is no level above Liverpool in how they play. And and it, I think it just, it was, they, they had to, VRL simply hadn't experienced that since the last time they were at Anfield when they lost 3-0 um, I think there was one player that repeated in the 11 and it had been a different coach obviously then so if you, if you never experienced that and, and Pete's talked about how you know they're caught breathless they, they didn't have time to think they, they, they were judded out of their rhythm there was no out ball that could hold things up um, we, we're both sounding a little bit negative Chris but I think the large part of it is is neither Peter nor I, I bet you have lost any respect for Villarreal, how they plan, how technically good their players are, the fact that they deserve to beat both Bayern Munich and Juventus and Arsenal and Manchester United. The fact is Liverpool are, are, are up or wrong. So the second socio that we have a question from, Dr. Robert McIntosh, hello doctor, um, does draw a, a bridge between the performances of Atleti and Villarreal dogged, structured, disciplined. Pete, you, you were careful there to make a distinction between those two. But the question that, that Robert has does kind of cover both of them. He says, how are teams like Villarreal and Atleti perceived in Spain? I guess he means when they go perhaps away to, to the bigger teams in Europe and, and play with that kind of strategy, that kind of game. Are they derided as a George Graham boring, boring Arsenal team would have been? Um, or are they appreciated as being tactically astute competitors? Bobby Mack, um, I think that, um, that there's, there's almost no relationship between how Villarreal want to play and how Atleti play at their most dogged and doer, except for the fact that Unai Emery definitely has a tick, which is that th- this sentiment is of... I interviewed him recently and he was like, look, when it, one of my basic ethos is is that if you can avoid losing, avoid losing. And and it, it might sound pedantic to talk about the difference between that and coaches who are like, we win. You know, we go out to win. 
Uh, coaches who in the last 20 minutes, if they're 1-0 up, will look for a second and a third. Coaches who, if they've got a, a creditable 1-1 against a big rival, will say, this will do. This will do nicely. Coaches who, then this is predominant, not predominant, this is a theme in, in La Liga that I think barely exists in, in the Premier League in England. Coaches who, and this was a famous accusation of Mourinho when he first joined uh, Roman in 2010, coaches who go to a, a, a big round because they've got a, a rival the following week that they think that they can chew into and they'll rest key players and they'll they'll take a three or a four nil as long as there's no bookings and no injuries. And, you know, that, that idea has diminished, but it does exist. And Unai Emery comes from a school whereby, irrespective of, of his massive, massive success and the fact that he's got a... A tremendously acute tactical mind, and if you've watched him, although he's a you know he's a he's a blunt instrument rather than a rapier in terms of how he coaches, it's it's all about repeat, repeat, repeat. It's not like a, a blinding moments of clarity that he, he slices through and gets into a player's mind and everybody understands. It's do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. He's very much 1950s, 1960s British reading, writing, arithmetic by rote. Um, to, not to deny any of that talent, he, he's a he's quite a conservative coach, and therefore, when you saw Villarreal and Pete and I are t- testifying, clinging on, their idea wasn't to go out and in any way replicate what Atleti did. The idea of Villarreal was to try and you know blunt Liverpool to take the ball from them, to make them chase around, and to come away with a draw, goals or no goals. You know, irrelevant to them now that the UEFA have mistakenly taken away their way goals counting double in the event of a draw. They just couldn't. And, you know, Robert, seeing as you mentioned that, I, I have to be, I have to be really critical of Cholo Simeone. It, it, he came within, you know, let's say six or seven good minutes at the end of the second tie, whereby not only did they nearly score to take it in extra time, there, there was a spell of somewhere in the region of 10 to 15 minutes when Atleti not only had the upper hand in the second leg, second half, but they, they brought on um, Carrasco, brought on Correa, and they went front foot. And it was, listen, I, I'm always, always, apart from the dandies are playing of the school of may the better team win, always. So I wasn't, pulling for Atleti it wasn't you know essential to me that, that they won but they're so, they're so refreshing to watch when they go front foot there's so much ability in that squad and in that team that you know to accuse Joel Simeon of mismanaging it would be wrong but I think he's too comfortable I think he's he's infected by the by the Arsene Wenger gene of it's, it's a big trophy to be qualifying for the top four Last season they won it. They won it, and to some extent, it was in a in a in a dearth of really elite competition. They won it. You can't strip that value away from them. They did it with parts of the game that were quite impressive, but there's been a a, a real dilution of the Cholo Simeone value and effect, except for economically, where if he keeps taking them through the group and into a couple of knockout rounds. They'll be 70, 75 million up on this season. Okay, gross costs to come off it. But the UEFA will pay them, I'll bet you, somewhere in the region of 75 million for this. That used to be the winner's share. 
and the people that employ him pay him the big money because they're willing to accept his sometimes idiosyncratic tactics. Uh, like playing Griezmann at right midfield in the second leg when you're only 1-0 down from the first leg when you, you set up you know to be a, a successful marginal line. I, I, I didn't approve of it. I, I thought he got it wrong. And, and they're really... You, you, Robert was trying to draw a parallel between Villarreal and Atleti. The really big test for Simeone would come this season if they weren't to qualify top four because it's... Uh, his con- continuity is predicated on him raking in, you know, seventy plus million every year for them. And if he if he doesn't put them in a position to do that, yeah, I'd be really interested to find out what his contract says. Pete Robert also mentions the sort of perception of those two teams at home. Like just specifically on that quote that you mentioned from Danny Ceballos, do, do the football media in Spain kind of share that opinion that hang on a second, we're up against a quite spectacular team and maybe we go into this as strong underdogs or Liverpool are an outrageous favourite for this tie. Is, is that is that kind of part of the, the storytelling in Spain? Well, in terms of the perception, first of all, no one thinks Villarreal are a negative side in Spain. They've scored more goals than anyone at home this season apart from, apart from Real Madrid. So, so no one thinks that. Atletico Madrid, um, Simeone is criticised for being for being too negative. In their last six games, they failed to score in five of them, which is just incredible when you think about the the attacking uh, quality that he has in his squad and he has had this season. The incredible thing about the about the game against Man City was the way that it was perceived as as being this sort of. Um, brave defeat, you know, glorious, um, almost, we deserve more. Um, and uh, you could accept that from the Atletico fans, you know, loyalty and defeat is, is, a, is a quality in, in, a support, in a supporter and the way that they, the reception that they gave the team at the end of the game was magnificent, despite the fact they'd gone out. But you couldn't understand it from the rest of Spain. And, and there were, you know, seasoned, respected commentators saying things like, well, they couldn't have done anything more. Well, they could have done much more. They could have crossed the halfway line in the first leg. Simeone set them up very similar to the way uh, Jose Mourinho set Real Madrid up against Barcelona in the, Euro- in the Champions League semi-final when um, it was still obviously the, the away leg rule, um, the away goals rule, and he wanted a nil-nil in the first game and he wanted to go with that, with the away goals in his favour to the Camp Nou in the second leg. And it worked until... Um, Pepe kicks Dani Alves up in the air uh, Real Madrid go down to 10 men and Messi scores twice and, and if it doesn't work you have to accept it and you have to say well that was the decision we made tactically and it didn't come off and that was the story of the Man City Atletico Madrid game they tried to draw the first leg nil-nil they didn't achieve that goal and they tried to win the second leg uh, by um, turning up, turning, uh, turning on in the second half um, and, and maybe getting one, two goals, you know, in, in the second 45 minutes and, and in extra time if necessary. And it didn't work. Uh, Manchester City showed them how to get a nil-nil draw in the second leg. So, so the plan failed. Um, and um, I, I've got no problem with Simeone lining up the way he lines up because it's been massively successful in the last decade. But when he says things like, well... We sort of had to do that because we're up against Manchester City. Hang on a minute. You've got Griezmann and Joe Felix who would probably get in the Manchester City team. 
or will certainly be playing um, more often than not playing. You've got people like uh, Marcus Llorente and, and maybe even Rodrigo de Paul, who, if they were Guardiola players, they'd be used. They'd be used regularly. So this is not a story of a team who wouldn't get a single player in the Manchester City eleven. Um, and and after the the Real Madrid, after Real Madrid played against City um, and and obviously came away with the same margin, uh, trailing by one goal. There were Atletico Madrid supporters saying, well, this justifies Simeone. No, it doesn't. It shows that if you attack City, you can score against them. And are you really saying you'd rather lose 1-0 than, was it 3-2 or 4-3? I can't remember. Um, so in terms of the perception, I think he, he gets away with it. He gets away with with this um, this narrative of, you know, where the brave battling... Um, we take it to the to the to the ninety fourth minute of every game, and um, and there's a huge deficit in in the ideas they have going forward, and that is clear to see in the fact that, as I say, in their last six games, in five of them, they haven't scored. We're going to move on now to a question from our sponsors at Bet Three Six Five, who mentioned a player, Pete, that you've already mentioned on the the show this morning. Did the Premier League sides miss a trick by not luring Arnaud Danjuma from Bournemouth after his season in the Championship? Could he be key for Villarreal's chances of getting back into the tie? Well, it sounds like the answer to the second part is no, if his uh, muscle injury is um, as serious as you suggest it is, Pete. But just if we break it away from his um, impact in the in the second leg of the semi-final and just get a little breakdown for people that haven't been following Villarreal of how he's done since his his summer move I think it was uh, around 23 million euros from from Bournemouth um, a good bit of recruitment I think he's in double figures for the, the season already how has he been playing? Uh, he's been playing fantastically well uh, by the way we're not writing him off to, for, to play tomorrow night I mean he's I'm just reading that, that he hasn't trained with the rest of the team this morning um, along with Coquelin and Gerard Moreno and Albiol and, P- and Jeremy Pino it may well be that he makes the game let's hope he does he's had a fantastic uh, season was it 17 goals in the championship with Bournemouth yeah those Premier League, Premier League teams should have been should have been looking at him Villarreal were very smart in the transfer market one of the best things about him is his attitude because he 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 believes that um, he's he's going to get better and better and better. He wants to sort of morph into the Cristiano Ronaldo type um, central scoring striker. Um, he doesn't want to you know spend the rest of his career as a winger. He wants to make that same transition that Ronaldo made and Henri before he made. Um, and you know the goals this season uh, 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 suggest that he that he can do that. Um, so he's he's been one of the best signings of the season anywhere anywhere in La Liga. Graham, um, you wrote a fantastic column and recorded it as well for our listeners. I'm sure all of you have listened to that already about Villarreal in general. And I guess this is a good example of how recruitment is part of their secret sauce. Has been <clears throat> has been for an awfully long time. You know, it shocked um, people rigid that when Diego Forlan left Manchester United, he was able to be given better wages at Villarreal. Now, that was in a time before... La Liga financial fair play was as stringent as it is now and one of the points I tried to make in the column is that when you talk about their owner although he he now says that Villarreal are a self-sustaining club and if they keep playing at this level in the Champions League that will be true it's Villarreal the the town and the club that are the uh, the little kids on the block it's not their owner because he's a billionaire but um being first off the block when Louis van Gaal went to one Roman Raquel May and said to him face to face 
you know, I didn't sign you, I don't want you. I've just taken over. You're free to go find yourself a club. He didn't have to pick up the phone, nor did his agent. Villarreal were first on the phone, got Juan Roman Raquelme. He played some of the best football of his career, although Boca fans would say that it was in their jersey that he absolutely peaked. But he did play some of the best football of his career at the Madrigal. And they, they found him, you know, they bought him a big mansion um, that he rattled around and they said, I hate this. Give me a little apartment in town, please. Just give me a little apartment in a block in town so I can, you know, smell the beer and the cigarettes and see the people and lean out my window. And, um, you know, that's happened before. I lived in a little village where Alex Ferguson was in a tiny, tiny semi-detached house and was starting to do well at Aberdeen and, and had aspirations to a bigger, grander mansion. And it was a mansion on on the main road and bought, we bought it, moved down there. And his wife, Kathy was used to, you know, tenement closes when she was growing up and having neighbours when she first moved to, to Colson. <laughs> After seven or eight weeks in the big mansion rattling around, she said to Alec Ferguson, this is rubbish, we're moving back. And he had to abandon his big mansion, which he sold at a loss and moved back to the house that they'd not been able to sell. And Raquel May had a similar idea in VRL and, yeah, no, fine, no problem, I understand completely. And, and again and again, I think Villarreal have been a club that... Um, Scout well in terms of A, recognising talent potential and B, presenting a very attractive package of what life in Castellón or Villarreal or Benicassim will be like. And, you know, initially you would say, well, it's hard to market a, t- a tiny little, because uh, even if you include Castellón, it's, it's a pretty small backwater. It's a very industrial place. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a particularly pretty part of Spain. Beautiful weather. Nice people, you're part of a, you know, you're part of a, you're part of a Bournemouth project. You know, it's, it, this is Bournemouth with sun. But what they do is they, they make sure or they have successfully made sure so far across a couple of different eras. Um, they've lost, um, Yanesa was a, was a, who, who was the guy who persuaded Fernando Roig to buy in in 1997, currently has leukemia, get well soon. His, his hard work rather than his talent spotting made a bedrock of contractual offers to players that were like, wow, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take this. And Fernando Reutz's son, also Fernando, is now the key man. He's the man that appointed Unai Emery uh, rather than his father, who's still the figurehead, who's still a big voice, still on the board, still only mid-70s. Um, and I, I think that, you know, they lost a, a technical secretary to... Pretty sure Mallorca. Um, so they've had to keep renewing the means by which they are an elite scouting unit. And and Danjuma looks to me like a, a player who they'll do well to keep another season if the price is right because it, it they they're not quite like Sevilla where they're an automatic selling club. They do have because of the Reutz family billions. They do have the means to say to people, "We'll we'll make it worth your while staying." And they contractually they try to get ahead of the curve and and usually manage it. Um, think of again why it was VRL that Robert Pires chose to go to after Arsenal um, after losing that Champions League final um, and having put VRL out. They, they are elite in terms of saying this will be a good footballing life for you and it will be a good life for your family too. They are elite in terms of that. But Danjuma is so good, he's playing so well for the national team as well, that um, they will get an offer whereby they, they will easily, I mean, easily treble their money if they want to. Uh, I, this summer, I'm, I'm not convinced. 
But if he continues in this trajectory by next summer, they'll, be, they'll have a massive decision about whether they vastly increase his contract, persuade him that trophies will come by staying, or whether they sell for easily 60 plus. It's time for a quick break. We'll be back very soon with more. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And we're back with a question from Socio Ian Body. Might be a quick one, this one. Uh, now, who to go to for linguistic matters? Let's try Pete Jensen. What were Pep's motives for saying at the end of his post-match interview with Movistar that he hoped he hadn't been too arisco? Why did I say that in Italian? Was he hoping to antagonise the Madrid crowd for the return leg? And if so, why? Arisco, indeed. Um, what does it mean? Arisco. Wordreference.com. Unsociable, unfriendly, dour, fierce, gruff or unfriendly. Uh, he, he, he doesn't have a great relationship with the Spanish um, media um, for three reasons, really. One, because he uh, led uh, Barcelona to so many trophies. Um, uh, secondly, because um, what was it? What was the phrase once used uh, against him, Graham, that he pisses cologne or... Um, uh, <laughs> Which basically, I suppose, is a sort of Spanish version of his shit doesn't smell or whatever, whatever, um, whatever phrase you want to use. So they think that he he, he looks down on on the rest of football, uh, which I think is very unfair. I think he always bends over backwards not to um, not to say that his his style is is necessarily superior. I think those that follow him, I think his disciples, don't do him any favors by by suggesting exactly that all the time, and and that 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 works against him. And the third reason is a political one, and we don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but he, I think he believes in an independent Catalonia, and that upsets a lot of people in Spain. So he's, he's not hugely popular. Um, and he did everything he could after the first leg, not to say, you know, I mean, really, 5-5-0, five, five, Simeone's tactics. Um, and he just slipped in one word, didn't he? And it was the word prehistory. Um, and he didn't say Simeone's tactics were prehistoric. He actually said... Um, you know, it's always been hard to beat t- teams that play two banks of five. It, it has been that way since prehistory. Uh, um, so the, the word was clearly in his mind. He was clearly trying not to say prehistoric, and he ended up saying prehistory. So that ran into the second leg, and he felt that um, he felt that the Spanish journalists were, were trying to take him down that road again of, of saying that his style is better than any other style. Um, 
and he was very short um, um, and not particularly friendly, uh, including in the pre in the post match pitch side um, interview with uh, Ricardo Sierra, who's a top professional and by all accounts a nice guy. And and didn't deserve probably the you know the one word answers that Pep was giving him. And while the press conference was going on, I was listening to to Spanish radio, and the 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 guy uh, working for uh, Cope in the, which is a which is a Spanish radio station is in the press conference, and he's being told by his by the presenter of the the late night show, ask him why he's being so surly. Um, and so when his question t- uh, turn came. I think he he was one of those who asked why the other, and I'm not sure if the the Arisco thing was a was a response to that or if he was then asked again. But they asked why the other, you know, what's the problem? Uh, but the problem, they know what the problem is, and it's it's long term, and it is gonna and and they'll try and whip it up ahead of the second leg. They'll try and use that in Real Madrid's favour without any doubt. But they they also just a clinical explanation for being. I was in that press conference and there was one, I think, I think a written journalist who, who s- said to Guardiola about, you know, the comments after the first leg and, and Guardiola just leaned in. Simon Heggie, his comms, or the division comms chief for the City Group was there and he leaned in and went, let me make it clear. All the stuff that you've represented me as saying, I didn't say. I was saying, just as Pete explained, it was like, um, it, you know, it's been eternally difficult if you're playing against two banks of five men. Get it right. Stop saying I said anything differently. And he went on the front foot in the attack. And, and for whatever reason they chose to do it, I think Pete, it was Radio Marca, brought Ricardo Sierra in for, a, 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 what do you call it, an autopsy. where There was four of them sitting in the studio, I think a couple of days later, where they went into like, well, wasn't he mean to you? Wasn't he rude to you? And Ricardo Sierra, exactly as Pete said, well, no, no, he was, he was quite polite. Yeah, it was shorter than usual. And I know why, but I didn't feel in any way belittled at all. Yes, but, you know, because we've got an agenda. It, doesn't, it actually doesn't really matter that you are the interviewer and how you feel. We're asking how you feel so that we can say Pep is really stupid and rude. And therefore, when, when, when Pep came out, to the movie star, uh, I think it's pronounced movie star here, but I love movie star. Um, when Pep came out and did his Arisco, um, he, he loves a barb. You know, if you give it to him in any way, whether it's a little bit, you know, hidden away in your words or you have a pop at him, he'll have a pop back. He can't help it. Um, I, I wouldn't disassociate myself from that. That tendency in life, I quite enjoy it. And really, to be honest with you, given what we were used to, all three of us in the Scottish Premier League or in the Premier League, you know, if you've if you've if you've made a, a one of these belligerent British managers chippy, they'll have a right pop at you on or off mic or storm off. And Pep didn't do that backing Pete's assertion that although he's a he's a he's a tough guy and an idiosyncratic guy who. Who sometimes his nearest and dearest feel the same as, as Moby Star and Mark feel about him. And I have to close on Pete's think about pissing cologne, uh, which I hope doesn't get bleeped out, Neil. I'm, we're leaving this with you. I, I'm not as colloquially good in Spanish as Peter is, not, not nearly. And therefore, uh, a, few, a couple of years ago, it came to me as a big surprise when I was, I was talking to John Toshak, who really doesn't like Rafa Benitez and he said and I won't do the big Welsh accent but he said well they, they say over here tiene un, un flor 
and, and that, that means exactly as Peter said, it means you've got a flower where your where your arsehole should be and everything's smelling of roses. He, he doesn't have a flower, he's got a whole garden, he said. And in terms of saying that Rafa was just lucky and nothing else. So, Spanish language, eh? Let's close our show with Andy Cochran, um, a socio whose question is, as a Liverpool fan, this doesn't give me any joy to say, but it's going to be Madrid's Champions League again, isn't it? So let's use Andy's pessimism to close our Champions League semi-finals episodes by trying to come up with Predictions, Graham, I know you always love this game, but let's make it more like analysis. What do the first legs tell us is likely to happen in the second legs? How about that? Make it a bit more scientific than just putting a pin on the donkey's tail. I, th- I thought Madrid, um, despite the fact that the two teams served us up, just a reminder of why we, we are obsessed by football. It was an extraordinary experience to watch it. And it's nice to see um, Jake LaMotta defiance Raging Bull was a hit for reasons beyond the soundtrack and Pesci and, and De Niro you know this this whole um, he's on the ropes the whole you know adventure industry in, in Hollywood is set up about our heroes down it's so unfair he's on the ropes he's fighting back and Madrid did that they you know they, they wrote their own Hollywood script about being you know about to be taken to the cleaners and they come away with a 4-3. They defended as badly as they did in the classical that they lost 4-0 uh, to Barcelona at home. They were beyond atrocious. They were slow, they were lazy. Alaba's attempted to close down the ball in for the... for the. You, you could have put a pensioner on and done better than that. He danced round Gabriel Jesus... To, to the goal line so <laughs> Gabriel Jesus could do the one thing that opened the goal up for him and turn the other way anti-clockwise Danny Carvalho that, you know when, when when City score their fourth I'm certain it was when Zinchenko gets gets halved as we used to say in Scottish by by Cruz Cruz and, and Carvajal and Militao and Courtois which shocked me kind of stop before the, ref, the, the whistle's blown and go oh well that's a, oh it's not you know Nobody closed down, you know, there was a chance for Cruz and for Carvajal to close down Silva. And Courtois dropping his guard is the most unusual thing of all. So I thought that because of the, the, the glamour of the, the play and because of the heroic fight back from Madrid side that could have been dead and buried, I think in Spain most analytical work missed the fact that they were absolutely atrocious. And if you accumulate, for my taste, this is why, you know, plucky underdogs in the FA Cup, I, you know, I've never liked all this butcher paper candlestick maker. Look, they've, they've, they've got a draw at Norwich. Shit, I can give to, you know, to be... But, like, no matter really, except in once in a million years exceptions, no matter how well the underdogs get battered and come back and sneak a win or whatever, they lose. They go out. You know, and... Real Madrid have been utterly sincere. I want them to go into the final. You know, I, want, I always want Spanish clubs to win European trophies, always, unless they're playing the dandies. And, and I, see, I can still say that with a straight face. And the, the, yet the fact is, for what's 90 plus um, 60 Pete is, no, I don't, 150 minutes of the Paris tie, you know, they're, they're not only 
embarrassed, but they're two nil down, and it should have been four or five. And then Donnarumma and Benzema, blah blah, and and just that was an astonishing night, and I was thrilled for for them, thrilled. And they played really well at um, at Stamford Bridge, but at two one with Chelsea having got their spurs on and jumped on the horse until Mondi throws in the third. It's it's going to be two two or three two Chelsea. In the second leg against Chelsea at home, they really could have been six down by the time Rodrigo makes it three one. They could have been, they go through hats hats off, but you know they they repeated a pattern against City, which is playing in a way that allows the opposition to have lots of fun near your goal. So I I, I hate myself for saying it because it's Madrid and because it's the Bernabeu, but I'm I'm afraid I'm sorry no I. I I don't think it's a heartbreaker, and I. The the one thing I'll say is that City didn't like the last twenty five minutes at, at, at Letty, but can Madrid play like that for ninety minutes? I. I, oh, I hate this act. I'm really I'm struggling to say it out loud, but I, I think it's City Liverpool in Paris. I think. Come on, Madrid. Pete, why don't you take the other tie? Um, I mean, we've covered it a little bit, and I don't think either of you have that much optimism about a Villarreal comeback. Get, get, get him! You know, get him in to tell me I'm talking garbage about the tie I've just talked about. If you've got a superior brain, unleash it! Unleash that man! The amazing thing about the first leg was was Ancelotti set set Madrid up as if they were playing Celta Vigo. I mean, they were they were four three three, and they were getting absolutely butchered. And you could see it being five before half time. And uh, in fairness to him, he then he then changed it, and I thought. It went more four four one one, and Modric was behind Benzema, and Vinicius and Rodrigo had to be wide midfielders, which which is not their strength, um, and and so City stayed on top, you know, right until right until the latter stages of the second half. I, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to agree with Graham. If not for that incredible Vinicius goal, which not enough has said a bit has, has been said about because it was the, because the tie threw up so many other things. If not for that, and Laporte uh, putting his hand up in the air. Um, it would already be all over, um, and um, there'll be all the the pre-match. Um, you know, there'll be two hours before kickoff outside the stadium to welcome the team bus, which then trundles through with blacked-up windows, so no one can see out or in anyway, or no one can see in anyway. Um, the atmosphere will be great, but City have got enough about them to ride that to ride that through. No one has won more games at the Bernabeu as a coach than than Guardiola, as a visiting coach than Guardiola. So I, I'm afraid I I go along with Graham and. And and I want Madrid to get there as well because I don't not a fan of you know finals between teams from the same league, um, with possible exception of the Madrid derby when that becomes a Champions League final always seems to be decent. The other tie, uh, we've already said, as we've already said, it, it's going to take a, a, a Gerard Moreno inspired miracle. I just hope they give a good account of themselves via Real. I hope they entertain. I hope they um, they shut a few people up who, who suggested that they're a nasty, negative, boring side. Which brings us to the end of our first question and answer show for for this month, dealing with the Champions League. We'll be back very soon with your questions concerning the rest of Spanish football. For now, thank you to the socios that sent in questions. If you'd like to be one of them, then you can join our merry gang at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Thank you, Pete Jensen. Thank you, Graham Hunter. And goodbye.
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.